Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your... Oh, I can't do this. This is pretty much last minute throw on me. I don't know what to do. I can't hear nothing. I can't hear anything. Yes, indeed. Good morning. Welcome to the war. It's deeper than you might think. It's going on everywhere. So thank you, Jesus. You are God, and you are also everywhere. And we thank you for your protection, your divine encouragement, your comfort, Lord God, in this terrible, tragic world where we suffer constantly at the uh, hand of the thief. Father, I pray that you would comfort each one who's listening today, who has the courage to listen, Lord God, that you'd bring them to the place of the revelation of your goodness in the midst of their tragedies as we look at loss, life after loss. And thank you, Jesus, that you did raise from the dead. There was life after death. There was life after loss. There was life after the disciples gave up on the whole idea of the, of the church, of the gospel, of the kingdom of God coming to earth. They had no idea of the tragedy and the violent, uh, <laughs> uh, violent event that had to take place for the kingdom of God to be established, planted on the earth. And Father, I thank you, Jesus, that you've given us power by your spirit, by your grace to overcome all things. And so I pray today that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, and ear and a heart to receive the comfort and the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Join us now as we ask for divine protection over our families, because that is where the Almighty God most reveals himself in his gracious, ongoing everyday protections and you may say well where was his protection where was his help when this loss this tragedy came but we're going to look at that today father god and give us grace to do it amen good morning well good morning good morning how are you today i'm i'm doing well by god's grace and uh, yes, that's a good way to answer that question <laughs> you know you mentioned uh, earlier uh, life after loss mm-hmm. and uh, you know we face a lot of times in our lives just because we're on the planet yeah. There's lots of loss. There are gains and there's lots of loss. Because the devil is a thief, right? So right. That's, that's part that. of it. Yeah, absolutely. And Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 6, the first part of that verse says, there's a, it's a time to get and a time to lose. Mm-hmm. And there are times of loss mm-hmm. that are um, very difficult for us, yeah. uh, you know, various degrees and so forth. But there's much to be gained. Uh, through those losses. Yeah. Loss, loss, I think a simple homemade definition of loss would be a sudden, painful, unexpected interruption of the uneventful days of an ordinary life or every day, every day, usual, ordinary, nothing out of the ordinary. Actually, we kind of think that's a boring life, but in some ways when your life is boring and uneventful, you can also be thankful for that because in those days of loss and tragedy, there's that sudden incursion into the life that causes uh, everything to change. 
well, what are some of the examples, just honey? If you, I know we don't have to list all of the terrible. Tra- we possibly can't list all the terrible things that could possibly happen to a person on this planet. But what are some of the things well, that we might look at? You know, people lose jobs. You know, there's uh, downsizing and so forth, uh, retirement, loss of income, then. early retirement, loss of income, Hope, right? future retirement, right? Uh, right. There's there's family members uh, and friends mm-hmm. that are lost, in a sense, to us through disagreements. Yeah. You know, we disagree. We have yeah. a falling out, goes away, and we, we don't. All of a sudden, yeah. some of that was a friend, or yeah. we don't have them anymore. There's deception. Yeah. Sometimes there are people that oh, act treacherously against us. Yep. Uh, there's divorce, which which transforms you know, transforms everybody, people's everything. lives. Mm-hmm. Kids, marriage. That's what loss does. It actually changes life, doesn't it? Changes it does. The, the yeah. Course and then, of life and then uh, there's loss through uh, disease. Yeah, um, you know, say Alzheimer's, the, the consciousness of, of mm-hmm. someone mm-hmm. is is basically lost. We are not able to communicate with them anymore. Um, and then, of course, there's death, you know, people that lose children, friends, people that parents. transition out of this world. And some of them are people and things, uh, pets, whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> things that transition out of this world sooner than we wanted to see them go. And money can be lost uh, through theft or deals gone bad. Uh, maybe unexpected expenses that come up all of a sudden. You've got a huge medical bill or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe a bad economy where a lot of people lost a lot of money in the stock market and 401ks. Well, that's where they had ago. their hopes and I think their dreams. And a lot of times that's what loss is. It's a loss of a dream, loss of a plan, loss of a you know a retirement plan, a future. Uh, and and in that loss, we begin to struggle with oh no, now what? And the and what we'd been pri- trying to do is uh, barricade and protect ourselves from the unexpected and the sudden, the rainy day kind of things. And now with a loss, whatever kind, it, it attacks or undermines our security. Right. And we can lose friends um, and maybe financial support if we're taking an unpopular uh, stand on yeah. a particular issue. Uh, we can lose our, our reputation. Reputations can be lost through oh, yeah. lies or uh, through misconduct on our yeah. part. Yeah. Um, we can lose our good health. We can lose our abilities. You know, that people that are used to doing a certain task or activity are not able to do that anymore because of sickness or an mm-hmm. uh, injury or just uh, yeah. a- the aging process. You know, think of, think about this. In every kind of loss, every category of loss, and you, you mentioned reputation, the, the first thought the devil puts into our minds at the sense of, well, one of the first thoughts at this crisis is, I must have done something wrong. What did I do? Um, it's my fault. And so we start this mental reasoning process, searching for a reason to understand the loss. And we go in our own minds and in your mind, in your soul, the devil's right there to stack the, the, the argument with all kinds of blame and you should have and anxiety. And then uh, whether it's blaming others, blaming yourself, blaming God, and so the losses become ex, ex, uh, multiplied in their confusion, in their in their damaging effect. Yeah, you, you mentioned there we can either you know blame ourselves or blame somebody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, people can lose, or they think it's right. The lot is a, is a, is a consequence of a judgment from God against them, and, and that's probably the most dangerous conclusion to come to that this is a judgment uh, against you because of sin or because of something you did or didn't do or some religious practice you failed to keep. That somehow God is is judging you, and this is the consequence of that. 
And sometimes people say, well, you know, this is, I guess this is my cross to bear. You know, sometimes we accept that, a lot yeah. of things that the enemy brings our way and we rationalize saying that's part well, of our then, cross. Well, then that loss becomes normal. That kind of a loss where you're expecting bad things, nothing good's going to happen. Um, you kind of get used to, I don't, nothing I want. I don't ever get anything I want. I know people like that. They, they'll live their life on that mantra and it comes to pass. Whatever you believe, actually, you give power to in your life. So if you're believing this is the end, there's no life after loss, there's no hope in my world anymore, you give a, 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 a permission and agreement to that, then that becomes permitted in your life. Yeah, and, and, and with all this thing going on, we can lose our peace, lose our joy. We yep. can lose opportunities. We can lose yep. time. Well, uh, we that can, gives place to sorrow then. Right, sorrow and grief. And mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. Um, and then what happens is we can just lose our way in life yep. through confusion lose our life. and experiencing events that feel and appear to be overwhelming to us. So we, we lose mm-hmm. hope, uh, you know, and the, the tragedy of all tragedies is that uh, a person can lose their own soul. Well, of course. And, um, you know, one of the problems with loss and there, it can come from any angle as you've kind of mentioned here, any direction at any time, sudden is part of the whole equation. Sometimes, sometimes it's a sudden report that lingers on and takes a while to come to pass. But so a loss always equals pain and then the need for, or the reaching out for some sort of comfort. So that torture rack of pain and excruciating pain, whether it's a kind of a internalized claustrophobic kind of suffocation, I can't take this, I'm going to die kind of pain if it doesn't stop or it grips your heart and you can't breathe, your heart is is struggling to actually go forward with this spirit of pain and loss, lack of comfort. So loss also equals suffering. A lot of times suffering unjustly and you've been the victim of something. Uh, whether it was a spiritual attack or uh, came through a f- physical, biological attack, we become the victims of something that's not right because that's why we become angry. One of the parts of that process of, of loss is anger because of re- recognizing the injustice that was happening. And, and then in that po- and part, loss also equals waiting, waiting for the restoration, waiting for the vindication, waiting for the release from guilt or shame or the return of the, of the loved one or the time when you can see that one again. And for those who love God, that's the place of hope, but waiting, going through uh, those times now going forward without that person, without that, you know, there's uh, suffering, anger, grief, despair, all those things. It's, it's a hard trial. Uh, if the elements of hope are gone, if there is no hope, you go through this loss, this grief with no hope, that is impossible really to, to recover. You have to hope is the place, the bridge that brings us back to life and recovery. Um, but if there is no hope and it can create a bigger problem than the initial loss. And this is what I think we need to look at bigger, more powerful stronghold, the stronghold of grief can create a, a prison or a castle or an imprisonment of a confining confinement, a, a constriction of your life and turn it into a bitterness um, that, that can, that if that loss is not contained, if it's not de- dealt with by giving to God, if it's, if you continue to carry it all the rest of your life, the loss of a child, for example, 
and it's not given to God, if it's not contained and returned over to God as a sacrifice to him, as a offering of trust, it can ignite into, like you were saying, Jerry, a, a chain of losses in other areas of our life until life itself and the reason for living are also lost. So it can build that stronghold, that imprisonment where we stay now stuck. You know people like that. Something went wrong in their life when they were a child, for example, they lost a parent, and to this very day, they still are angry with God, or they're still confused, or they're still feeling gypped or ripped off. They have never gotten to the place of forgiveness and release and surrender. These things that God has given us all, our children, our homes, our health, our limbs, our breath, our sound minds, our gifts. And at any point in time, I believe Satan can petition God to ask for permission to test us. And many of the times he tests us in these very issues and places like he did with Job. Everything in our lives, everything good. And God is a giver of good gifts. James said that every good gift and every perfect gift is from above Mm -hmm. and comes down from the the Father, Father, the Mm -hmm. Father of lights. The goodness of God. But what happens is that Satan, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, he's a thief who works to steal, kill, and destroy Mm -hmm. from us and destroy us through our losses. So what we have been given, who we are, what we have been given in Mm -hmm. terms of giftings and abilities and material things, family, friends, relationships, jobs, opportunities, all these good things that Mm -hmm. God opens up for us to, so, so, so that we can fulfill the calling that he has for us here on earth. All of these things are being really constantly challenged by the enemy, constantly attacked in one way or another. You know, it's what you just said this, but I don't think you realize what you just said. I'm going to try to pull it back. You said something like um, they challenge all these gifts, these additional pieces that have added to our life, sort of like behaviors. We have a a collection of gifts and good things. But that is those gifts and good things and, and even our behavior is not, who, uh, is not who we are. We are a being. And when all is said and done, God can give, like Job says, naked I came into the world, naked I go out. God can give. He permitted God to take, although it was Satan behind the scenes provoking this whole thing. But he didn't blame Satan. I don't think Job even knew Satan was in the picture at that point. But, but, but you see, the thing is, what Satan is trying to do here is try to re- uh, equate you, write a new equation that I am what I have, I am what I do, and then if I lose something, then I am not anymore what I was. And yes, those things do shape us. They they determine our uh, everything a lot. Uh, you know, your relationship, your family, how your marriage, whatever. It all kind of determines what you're going to do and how you're going to respond to things. But those responses to loss have to come out of being and they have to come out of being the created son or daughter of the most high God who knows who we know who we are. We know that this is temporary. This is a battlefield. This is life on this planet. This is temporary. Um, This is part, part of the course of the testing of our faith. This is because the whole, the whole point of this life on on planet earth is really not totally and entirely about us. It is about our relationship with God and the endurance of that relationship through the fiery trials of life, including the great losses. So what Satan was trying to do in the, in the story with Job is he was trying to break the love promise 
good relation, righteousness of Job, his right behavior, by taking away his stuff. But he found out that Job was more than his stuff. He was more than his children. He was more than his money. He went deeper than that. He went, Job was, his relationship with God, knowing that in, in 13, chapter 13, Job says, even though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And Job also confessed, he says, I know that my Redeemer lives. Now, isn't that an interesting concept? Back before Abraham even lived, they have a concept of a Redeemer coming. So there was, there was that promise that Job was clinging onto, though he understood none of it. It made no sense to him. His mind couldn't make any sense out of the tragedy. Job. And he surely couldn't find a place to blame himself. However, his friends did come to try to help him find a place of guilt and blame. Right. And so Job lost his, lost his children. He lost his wealth. In some ways, he lost his reputation. Uh, he, he, you know, he lost perspective for a while. I mean, obviously, and that's the thing, and we can talk about this later, but in the midst of these losses, that we experience, we can really lose perspective as to what's going on. And to who we are. The real question is not losing perspective of what's going on. We already know what's going on. It's terrible. But it's who we are in the midst of what's going on. Right, right. Well, that's really what what perspective is. And Job Job came to the place. He cursed the day he was born. He said, how come I just wasn't stillborn? Mm -hmm. It would have been better for me because he's in the midst of that. He's in the midst of all this pain. His, his comforters, he said, were miserable comforters. Mm-hmm. They were challenging him, and they were going on and on about stuff they didn't even, they were uh, theologizing, 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 theolo- can't even word. say it, but they were, they were just going on Criticizing. and on. Criticizing. Uh, yeah. Uh, uh, theolo- theologizing, that's the word. So it's hard, even hard to say, and they didn't even really know what they were saying. Yeah. But at the end of all this, what happened is Job says, um, he says in verse, um, let's see here. Chapter verse, 42, I 42 think. verse 5, he says, I have heard, this is after all the loss. What did, what did Job gain through all this? He says, uh, verse 5, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye sees you. So right, there was the an increased revelation mm-hmm, like of the gained. true nature uh-huh. of God. And what happened, too, is that, you know, he prayed, the Lord restored, verse 10 uh, of Job 42, and the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. His brothers, sisters, and all those who had been his acquaintance came and ate food with him, consoled him, comforted him. him. Uh, he gave, and each one gave him a piece of silver and each one a ring of gold. And the, now the Lord, verse 12, bless the latter days of Job, <coughs> excuse mm-hmm. me, bless the latter days of Job more than his beginning. And it talks about all his wealth and how many, uh, yeah. all his livestock. And he had more sons, seven sons, three daughters. His uh, daughters were just the most beautiful in the land. He lived 140 years mm-hmm. uh, after that and saw his children and grandchildren uh, for four generations, so Job died being old and full of days. So that you know, that's a good story, and that is a true story. And I like that ending. The other part of that ending is God also had Job and his friends be clarified in the point that God did not do this to him. And I think that's where we trip up on our trials is because we think God is doing this to me. Like I said, God is punishing us because we did something wrong. Thing is to remember though, is that God does not always 
give us back in kind what we have lost. But the other thing to in remember his is situation, yeah. it was it was true more so. There was an abundance, but sometimes, you know, um, you lose a, a friend passes away. Maybe God will give you another friend, but that friend well, is, is we not have with to you apply the anymore. verse that all things work together for good yes. to those who love God. But the po- the point here is that in the in the pain in the pain in the loss in the tragedy there's nothing that god does not know about in all of this he already knew this from the foundation of the world that this horrible thing was going to happen and he in, 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 at this point he also knows what you're going to do with the uh, with the loss so a loss is an opportunity and if you've already lost something horrible horribly unre- irreplaceable you know a, a limb a loved one you, you can you can still gain by the what by what you do with that loss, how you respond to the loss, how you respond to the 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 um the the trial, uh, and Jesus in his midst of the greatest you know example of loss and giving up his life, giving up his hope for sonship and the kingdom and the kingdom of God coming to earth, laying it all down. He voluntarily now. There's another kind of loss. We have a lot of involuntary loss. Where people are, things are ripped and stripped from them without their desire, or knowledge, foreknowledge. But we also have voluntary, uh, and that's kind of an interesting situation too. And I and I um, we'll get to that in a minute. Where Paul is talking about, you know, he counts all things but loss. But Jesus on the cross used that moment of great pain. You're in great pain, <clears throat> deep sorrow. You know, at the mercy of God. Nothing else you can do but surrender, open your hand, give it up, turn it over to God, allow that person's soul situation to be released to God. That can become a place of great sacrifice for you. That can become a, a, a great offering, a precious, precious offering, a burnt offering, so to speak, where you are allowing yourself to be uh, re- that, that pain, that loss to to be replaced by God and God is the only one who can fill that emptiness that hole that terrible place that place of panic um is to give that make that ultimate uh opportunity take the opportunity to make that sacrifice uh a gift offering to God so when we experience these uh, losses you know there's common responses we already talked about anger grief discouragement depression it can be fear it's like, okay, I lost something. Now what's coming? What am I going to lose next? Talking about uh, proper, appropriate responses mm-hmm. to loss. And, and this can be a real battle. Well, I think, I think the, the proper response to loss and the battle is, are you going to believe the lie or lies or the circumstances or the emotions or the feelings or the pressure and the broken heart? Are you going to believe all that and go with your feelings, go with your thoughts that Satan is pummeling? pounding, pouring into your mind, or are you going to go with your spirit and go with what you know? I mean, for example, even we haven't talked about this one, but the loss of innocence, when people are, are stripped of their innocence through sexual assault, and they believe the lie, now I'm unworthy, I'm ruined, I'm no good. So you can, your whole life is just going to be based on that lie, based on the sexual assault, based on another lie that it wasn't your fault, based on the fact that you've got familiar spirits in your bloodline that are unclean and perverted, that are coming down to attack the next generation based on ignorance of that whole thing. And you, you conclude, I am no good. I am ruined. I'm unworthy of a good marriage. I'm unworthy of, a, of the blessings of God. Because, so what you do with the lies that come to uh, set up in your mind and heart 
after a loss is the most critical part of the battle for us. You know, are we going to go with anger or grief or sorrow or isolation or bitterness? I believe that the enemy offers us these alternatives when there's been a sense of loss. That's a prime uh, place of attack of the enemy because that, you know, say we lose a loved one. Okay, what what are we going to do with that? You sure we, we do go through a, a grieving process uh, in, to one degree or another. That's just kind of the way that we are. But with the enemy, well, he always brings uh, something to our attention, a false compensation. How he could do, we, do that too, yeah. How do yeah. we compensate right. for this loss? Here, I'll By further you, destruction of the human. Right, to yeah. fur, in further destruction. So again, we mentioned earlier, yeah. mm-hmm. his goal is to work and destroy us mm-hmm. through right. the losses and through how we respond going, to these losses. Going back to the, uh, you know, a loss that is so severe that it, it, the devil is hoping that your life will be changed forever for the rest of your temporary existence because of this loss. That's what Satan is hoping that he can. Well, and, and God also wants it to change for the better, for the to be like Job, a deeper revelation of God. Uh, a, a, a closer sense of God's fellowship, of God's uh, carrying, God's affliction, being afflicted with us, God's faithfulness. But so the the critical point here is, what are you going to believe? Um, is that loss going to de- now define your life, the rest of your life, to create a stronghold of more loss, more bitterness, more isolation, more loss of your soul, more loss of your relationship with God? Or is it going to bring you closer to God? Um, uh, the, the question begins, the questions that surface in our mind are, how can I go on without this person, this thing that's been taken away from me? Then we, then the, then we bring up, it's my fault, anger, helplessness, ang- more anger, uh, revenge, uh, these things. We, there's no greater place to deposit this grief than in the, the, the hand of God, it, it, because only God can bring justice and bring truth and bring um, restoration in this matter. I believe there's a greater wholeness that comes to us through loss. Uh, if we have the proper yeah. response to it, it can make us more like and, Jesus. And unless the Satanists want us to give us an identity, uh, a negative loss. identity yeah. through the loss. In other words, you know, you live with your life. Okay. I'm a divorced person. Mm-hmm. Okay, for example. Or I'm. Uh, I'm uh, broke. Uh, I'm a. I'm an alcoholic. Yeah. You know, for the rest of my life, even though I'm not drinking, I'm still an alcoholic. So he can attach us with an identity. Right. That really Reflects we admit. On, mm-hmm. We admit by believing to his lie, believing his lie, that we are less than whole somehow. Yeah. This is like. Mm-hmm. A, a mark on us that will never go away. Mm-hmm. It's 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 part of our. Um, it's a defect. It's a lack of whole. But that's, But that, actually, yeah. what God is wanting to do mm-hmm. through these losses, through these losses, and, and and in many cases through repentance and so forth, there is a greater wholeness that comes into our lives. And before the example of Job, we just said, he said, "I've seen God by the hearing of my ear. Now my eyes see Him." So for him, mm-hmm. there was a greater personal wholeness, even though he'd lost so much. I think the important thing for, and Job did not know this, that's why it made his test so real and horrible, 
is that the devil is in the midst of all this. And a lot of people, they don't put the, that intimate evil, ultimately intimate evil that's involved in all of this into the equation. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. It's senseless. And I think that's the, the part of the, the grief too, is the, the senselessness of these things that happen. And, and so um, what happens too, uh, not only is your mind racing with all of these thoughts, but emotionally, I believe many times we become closed in. We feel uh, anxious or uh, there's a there's a kind of a hyper inactivity. We almost stall out, you know, with our mind and our emotions racing and mulling things over and over with no solutions. No matter what, it's an irresolvable conflict. No matter what you do, what you think, what you should have done, how you approach it now, it cannot bring back or restore that thing which yesterday was here and today is not um it's it's there's no there's no way to fix it there's no way to restore it it's like um and and, and so your life can become like driving going the going in the running driving in the daytona 500 for the rest of your life going round and round and round in a circle never never stopping never accomplishing never going anywhere just running this this endless pointless no solution anxiety-provoking race. Um, so the ultimate solution to loss, including the struggles that loss can build, prisons that can put around you, prisons of I'm never going to do that again, I'm never going to get close to anybody again, I'm never going to, I'm going to stay in my little safe, safe, safe corner, which shrinks every day. Um, in the struggles of bitterness, like I'm mad at God, mad at myself, the hopelessness, the hardness of heart. These are struggles, hardness of heart, unbelief, giving up on God getting more self-reliant, rejecting God, being angry with him. Um, These can spread like a cancer. But to solve this problem of this trap or entrapment of loss, we need to know a couple of things, not think and feel. We need to go into our spirit and know stuff. It is a deliberate. There was a divine permission given, but the question and 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 the request came from the evil one. God does, is, does not tempt men with evil, neither can he be tempted with evil. But what's happening is Satan is saying, basically, like he said to Abraham, God, Abraham doesn't really love you. Since you've given him his son, he, he doesn't even have any time for you. And so Satan was insinuating that Isaac had become Abraham's God, his, his idol, his, his preferred everything. And so he said, let me test him. And God knew that this was not a test of Abraham because Abraham was already walking in righteousness and believing God and doing what he had said for many years. But God knew this was a test against him, that Satan was saying, I can break the workmanship, the relationship that you have with this man by just taking his son. So when, when you hear the part of the Bible we hear given to us is God said to kill Isaac. He, he told Abraham, kill Isaac, offer him as a sacrifice to me. We don't see, I mean, but what happened, the sentences before that in the conversation was Satan said to God, have him kill Isaac, tell him to kill Isaac. Now, God isn't taking his orders from the devil, but God is allowing the devil to test his workmanship in us, which means God is allowing the devil to test us because the one he's after, God is the one he's, he's wanting to prove wrong. God is the one he wants to um, indict as uh, the unfair, uh, illegal, sovereign, supreme being. He wants to dethrone God, and so he has to prove God is wrong in his love for us. So uh, when we know the truth and we know that the the, the behind the scenes spiritually, um, you know, that's when we have to start saying no 
to the temptations and no to the feelings. We have to say, no, you won't, devil. You're not going to take another day of my life. You're not going to take more joy from me. You're not going to ruin this day because of poor what happened four days ago. You're not going to do that. No, you're not. This is a new day. This is the day of I, we rejoice and be glad in it. Um, you know, because if not, this loss will become the central theme of your life. The, the gripping, the, the, it'll, it'll grip and tighten its grip on your life. It'll, it'll heighten your super vigilance. Uh, the temptations to fear, to barricade ourselves, to protect, take control, um, losing sight of the goodness of God, uh, subconsciously controlled by fear, panic loss, the loss of peace. This is where people are. You don't realize it, but even those of you who cannot sleep at night or you can't settle down, um, there is a subconscious kind of physiological control that satan the spirit of fear is running over your your biological being to create this anxiety this insomnia and it's coming out of loss of peace it's coming out of panic and a lot of panic is ignited or started by loss well with loss is it possible to really let go of loss i mean you want to you know, we want to have the proper response. But when you're when you're in the midst of it, there's all these emotions, feelings, so forth that you're dealing with. But you, like you said, you have to go deeper into what your spirit knows. Uh, but sometimes, you know, people live where they're they don't know how to tune into their spirit. Well, I think a lot of times people tune into their spirit because into that yeah. kind of knowledge, so they're a victim of just. Uh, you know, bad memories, reoccurring, just the pain, the experience of all that, Mm -hmm. that just is just, it's always, it's always kind of gnawing away. Right. Exactly. And, uh, and that loss is also brought into the present and projected into the future that now this isn't ever going to happen. And now I won't have this and da, 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 da. Right. Your whole life, your whole life, basically past, present, future gets defiled. If you let it. it. But but the thing is, people say, well, let go of the loss. Let go. <clears throat> I don't think that letting go is possible because we have it as a memory. But the pain can be taken out of the memory. Yes. And I believe that it is essential um, to put the loss in a biblical framework, in a biblical perspective, to understand the bigger picture of the dynamic of what's going on here. Um, and to know that God knows. God knows all about it. God is good. God is with us. God does not intend for this to be the destruction of you because he's got this. God will never leave us or forsake us. God gives us grace to get through our afflictions. A lot of us reject grace. We really do. This is probably a really big sin that we don't realize we're committing. We reject the grace of God under the counsel of I can do it myself and I'm not worthy and I'm still mad at God. And so, you know, it's like someone who wants to come and hug you and hold you and comfort you like God would like to do. And you push him away because you're still mad. You're still maybe mad at him. You're still maybe blaming him for something. And so we reject the grace of God. We've, re- we've done that with the gospel, too. We've rejected the grace of God. We'd rather hold on to our guilt and be good and, and, try, and are striving and trying than, re- than settle down, surrender and receive the grace of God and say, thank you, God. You're so good. Rather than humbling ourselves to receive, we, we stiffen ourselves and we st- stiffen our neck and we say, I'll do it myself. I will not bow to this. I will not be vulnerable to this. And I think part of that comes from a fear of loss. 
we are afraid that if I give God what he wants, he's going to make me you know, do something horrible. He's going to ruin my life and the whole life I have, the purpose, the love, the gifts, whatever I want to do. God is going to thwart it so that I don't get to do anything I want to do. That's a lot of people's concepts of God, that he's going to make you marry an ugly person and go be a missionary in the depths of the jungles of Africa and get bit by mosquitoes and die of malaria. That's not what God is about at all. That's not his plan for your life. That's the devil's picture. That's the devil's plan. But he, he brings it in under the guise of religion and God's will. And, you know, people who are really love God will go do all this and sacrifice all this so that they'll be great. Satan paints a picture, an evil picture of God. And we can look at it and we think that's the way he really is. And he uses loss as his, as his brush stroke. Exactly, exactly. He uses loss to, to paint this picture of this and darkness. So if our lives are rooted in the goodness of God, if we're convinced and we have that knowing that God is good, God is love, and God always has the very best in mind right. for us, even though it seems like things are really lousy right now. Mm-hmm. But if we know, you know, I know whom I believe, and I've I'm persuaded that he's persuaded able to keep that. He, he, the keep that which I committed unto him <clears throat> yeah, to this day. day. You know, so we're going we're gonna to trust in God because we know him. We know his character. Mm-hmm. We know he won't leave us. We know he won't forsake us. We know he's good, perfect, and righteous. And, uh, and that and he's he, loyal to us. He's loyal. He's absolutely loyal to us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he, he's there to comfort us. He's not necessarily there to coddle us and keep us just in, our, in, a, in, a, in a pity party. That he's there to give comfort, to give right. encouragement yeah. in the midst of all these things. And, and let's look at just a moment at this, this piece of it here in 2 Corinthians 1, um, 3 from the uh, Amplified Bible, 3 through, um, uh, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of sympathy, mm-hmm. of pity and mercy, and the God who is the source of every comfort, consolation and encouragement okay so god is identified as the source of every comfort consolation and encouragement verse four who comforts consoles and encourages us in every trouble calamity and affliction so that we may also be able to comfort console and encourage those who are in any kind of trouble or distress with the comfort consolation and encouragement with which we ourselves are comforted consoled and encouraged by god so our our losses, mm-hmm. when God comes along to comforts us and encourages us through those losses, our our deposit God the comfort of God is an encouragement to us. It's 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 a deposit in us that we will be able to help people around us right. give to express <clears throat> the love and encouragement of God to them because we've been through there. We've we've been there. Right. You know, it's really. The, the, the reason we suffer the loss is because of the love that we had or have, the relationship, the preciousness of that person or that thing to us. And so love is directly proportional to the pain that we'll suffer when we lose it. So if you loved much, you're going to suffer much. There's going to be a lot of pain. The more you love the person or the thing, the closer you were to that person or thing, the greater the pain. And that's why a lot of people refrain from deep love. Because they anticipate that if that person would ever go away from them, if, that, if there'd ever be an uh, alteration of their life and that situation would change, 
that they would be in great pain. So they refrain themselves emotionally from entering into that bond of love and commitment, especially in human relationships. But if you think about it this way, how much does God love us? God loves us more than we love ourselves. God loves us more than we love each other. God loves you more than the, the person you lost. God loves you more than that. So if, you, if, if, if love is directly proportional to the amount of pain or the pain is uh, directly proportional to the amount of love, if God loves the most, God is in the most pain. If you can believe that God suffers pain, he's in greater pain and sorrow over this thing than you are. Think about yourself in, in a position as a parent or a, a authority person in a <clears throat> situation where you have um, in a position where you can, you know, stop something like that would be God. Only God really can stop something. And yet he permitted it for something greater, a greater gain. So he's willing to suffer go through pain, uh, go through being misunderstood, risking his friendship with us, risking the fact that we might become very bitter and mad against him, risking all of that because of his great love for us, because he knows that there's something better, something deeper, greater that can be gained from all this. God doesn't permit these bad, bad things. If there isn't something better, 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 best that can be had in its loss. And so that's where we go to Paul. And we, now we're going to talk for a minute about voluntary losses you know um you those who seek to save their life will lose it those who lose their life for my sake jesus said will keep it giving up your life giving up your possibilities your temporal opportunities for uh, a nice house to save you know four cars in the garage you know perfect family uh perfect everything to, to lose not to say that those aren't a blessing not to say that people can't have them not to say that people who have them are less than spiritual not at all I am just saying, God, whatever it means to lose your life, it means really to let go of control wherever that is. You know, Job had lots and lots of money and things and da 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 And yet he learned to lose and let go of the control of his life and give it to God. Trust God and know that God is good. Same with Abraham. He's totally blessed financially in every way. And yet he, to live is Christ. And so Paul says in, in, uh, in Philippians, first he tells us in chapter two how Jesus let go of everything gave up his life to come down here, took on the form of, he was being in the form of God. He did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a servant, coming in the likeness of man, vulnerable, weak, gets tired, hungry, etc. emptied himself out of his privileges, and being found in the appearance of a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto even the point of death, even to the point of death, which was the cross, which he had to do, to be able to redeem us. Therefore, you know, he was willing to voluntarily suffer loss, give it up, uh, lay it down, say no to it. Say, I'm leaving heaven for a while. I'm going to go down there. I got to go. They're in big trouble. I've got to go help them. And he laid down his life. So that's Paul's example. That's Jesus's admonition. And in uh, Philippians chapter three, we see where Paul himself goes through uh, chapter three, verse starting with verse seven. He says, but what things were gained to me, these I've counted lost for Christ. And so he had just named a whole bunch of his stuff that he had. Could I I read verse 8, the next verse there, Marjorie, in the uh, Amplified Amplified. Bible? He says, yes, furthermore, I count everything as loss compared to the possession of the priceless privilege, the overwhelming preciousness, the surpassing worth, the supreme advantage of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord and of progressively becoming more and deeply and intimately acquainted with him, 
of perceiving and recognizing and understanding him more fully and clearly. For his sake, I have lost everything Mm -hmm. and considered all to be mere rubbish, refuge, dregs, in order that I may win, gain Christ, the anointed one. Mm -hmm. So here's what Jesus laid down his life, voluntary losses in order to gain us. Paul says, I lay down my life in order to gain a more intimate understanding of Jesus. He, Paul, what did he have to lay down? Well, what do you have to lay down? Paul voluntarily let go of his re- reputation as a religious leader. His, uh, he, le- he let go of his anger against the Christians. He, lo- he let go of his pedigree, his religious status, his prestige, his knowledge uh, of the word, uh, you know, back uh, of the law. The privileges that brought, came through education, his Roman citizenship, he humbled himself. All of the works and achievements of his own hands to be a, an opportunity. It counted loss for the opportunity to know Jesus. And, and so uh, the work of our hands, we, sometimes there's a couple of verses in the Bible that says where we worship the work of our hands. We get all excited about our achievements. We get all excited about our ambitions. We get all excited about our dreams and our, our empires that we're building. And we think that we're doing a great service for God. When God may, you know, say, yeah, that's nice, but I want you. So his, but he was able, like the, the Bible says, his greatest achievement, Paul's greatest achievement was to be able to suffer the loss of all these things. The right to have a family, the right to have a marriage, the, the right to have a home, the right to have a, a daily routine and a schedule and three meals a day. Um, he, he gave up the right to his weekends off, his retirement, his comfort. Even counting them, like, like we read, as rubbish, something to be thrown out that he might gain Christ. This is not a works exchange program. Losses work great blessings and great uh, spiritual development in life and growth in our lives. Um, this is where we can make an investment in the kingdom of God. You know, I've, I've heard people say, well, I've got more people on the other side in heaven now than I do here on earth. Well, you're making an investment in heaven and Jesus said, where your, where your heart is, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And when our treasures, our precious things are in heaven, we are now getting more and more con- con- invested, connected with heaven. Heaven becomes more and more real. The things of earth become less and less important because we're seeing a solid reality in the fact that we are establishing, we're sending on ahead things that are going to be part of our life in heaven. We're sending on loved ones and sending on uh, hopes and dreams to, to be used by God to make our life there better and our life here part of the kingdom of God. Colossians chapter 3, verse 1, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. For Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on earth. For, your die, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So he said, setting our affections, setting our minds on things above, not things on here, on the earth. Living life from an eternal perspective. We get so caught up, don't we, in time, time pressure, and all the activities and responsibilities and things here. But what really matters forever uh, Ephesians uh, chapter uh, five, it says to making the most of every opportunity, uh, uh, redeeming the time, making the things that we do in time and things that we do 
uh, last for eternity and taking the, the stuff that we have here and kind of converting that into eternal. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Uh, it's called a, a conversion. It's an, it's this loss and suffering is an eternal investment program in the kingdom of God. Yeah. It's how we transfer things from this kingdom to that. You Ooh, can't. So that's good. So you're, you're, you're investing the pain, the suffering, the loss, the confusion, the, the trust in God. You're investing your loved ones. You're investing. You have investments now in the kingdom of God. So loss is God's eternal investment program in the kingdom of God. We, we, it's like sending things on ahead. Um, it's like putting things in the bank of heaven. And, and, and so we don't understand that because we're so, you know, we're feeling so ripped off down here. We're feeling so uh, earthbound. earthbound. But if you open your hand and say, yes, I freely let go of that. What a thing Lord, that I can give that to you. And God is not here to placate himself or, 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 you know, strengthen himself by, by our offerings. You know, he doesn't need blood sacrifices. The devil does. God doesn't need all of this penance. He doesn't need sacrifices. What he needs is a willing heart. What he wants is a relationship of love. And, and when you love someone, you do some sacrificing. I'm sure you do. If you're married, I'm sure you've made some sacrifices to have that marriage, to have those children lots of times. You've given up your time, your day, your whatever to do what you didn't want to do to make the sacrifice. So God is, is allowing us to give. He doesn't need these sacrifices. He doesn't need for us to be beaten up. And he, he doesn't want that. But it's, it's actually something that he will turn together for good. Turn, all things work together for good. So, so loss and suffering those losses is an eternal investment program that, that we can take advantage of whenever we're called upon to do that because God is the God of all comfort and he is the, and it's through that comfort that we receive that we can edify others. And you, and you think about um, the huge amount of pain in the world that there's an endless job opportunity activities uh, always available in the place of comforting others, comforting one another. Um, He says in second Thessalonians, um, Verse nine, five, nine, but God did not appoint us to wrath. And some of us think that God is mad at us. He's, he's punishing us. This was God's doing this, but God is not, did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, whether we're here or there, whether we're on the planet or we're sleeping on this planet and awake in heaven, we should live together with him. We're together. Those people are just in a different dimension right now. And I don't know if they can see us. I know we can remember them. And I'm sure, you know, I don't know if they remember us, but I, I'm, I know that they know that it's going to be okay. Um, we should live together with him. Therefore, he says, therefore, because of this, comfort each other and edify one another just as you have been doing. So he's talking, and, and this is right right after he talks about the, the um those who sleep in Jesus Christ, those who died of chapter four, verse 13. But we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. You know, ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, your loved ones, your precious pets, your situations where they've gone on. Don't have no hope. Don't let that, that stronghold, that citadel of hopelessness uh, and, and defeat be built up around you. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, 
Even so, God will bring him also, bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Jesus is their resting place right now. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise. And when then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. So he's talking about the final <clears throat> uh, destruction of, of death. He also talks about in first Corinthians, he says, when this corruptible physical biological body puts on incorruption, when this mortal puts on immortality, this is first um, Corinthians chapter 15, verse 54, this mortal puts on immortality then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. So death is going to be taken out, taken over, removed. He says, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, Hades, where is your victory? Because there is that hopelessness in death. There's that sting, that separation, that feeling of permanence. The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, we, beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Do not let these tragedies move you to the place of despair and desolation. Do not let the devil push you to that place of there is no more consolation, there is no more hope. That darkness, that anxiety, that fear, that mourning, that grief. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Um, there's, There's this hope of Jesus coming again and he will return with this, with the trumpet. And this is our hope too, in this, even the loss of life on this planet in, in a bigger and greater sense, the loss of our nation, the loss of, of, of uh, righteousness, the loss of people's decent common decencies towards one another, the loss of human dignity, the trafficking, human trafficking, uh, the the assaults, sexual assaults, perversions, murders, violence, uh, terror, uh, attacks, gunning down people. Things th- th- we are losing things here, and only the return of Jesus Christ, who is big enough, is, to great enough, with the trumpet, the voice of the archangel, will come with recompense. He'll come with restoration. He'll come to finish, uh, complete, put to naught the works of darkness and restore everything that has been stolen and taken you've not lost it for good you've lost it for now but not for good and there are, <clears throat> excuse me there are those things that have been lost that god commands us to go find to go get back that's true he talks about jesus talked about in the parable of the lost sheep he said if you have a uh, hundred sheep luke 15 you know talk about loss we have the lost sheep the lost coin, the lost son. Mm-hmm. He said, if you have nine, the shepherd has 99 sheep and one is lost, he goes to find it. And if he finds it, he brings it home and rejoices. The The lady that lost the coin from her, basically from her headband, from her headdress, it was almost like losing a diamond out of a wedding ring, the equivalent in that, in that culture. She said, oh my, she just swept the whole house till she found it. And she called her friends together and said, look, it, I found what was lost. And when the son came back, the father was waiting for the son, the lost son, to come back. He had a big party and everything to celebrate that loss. So 
there are there are pe- there are losses that we are called to fight for, fight for their return. Yeah, we have kids. That's right. You know, if you have children or friends or coworkers that are lost and they're out there, we don't just say, "Oh, well, we give up on them." We're to pray, we're to intercede, we're to love them, mm-hmm. and 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 by God's grace, trust that they will be brought into the uh, back into the uh, into relationship right. with Jesus Christ. So there, that's that's a very important part too. We can't just let some things be lost. Well, I think yeah, that's right. Well, what what we need to understand here is what loss can do. Loss can create a hopelessness in saying, well, that's never going to happen. They're never going to, you know, they're not dead, but they're never going to come back. It's too late for us. Um, there's too much water over the dam, that sort of thing. And so we allow that situation, circumstance of, of that mindset of loss, um, the permanency that comes with that many times to take over. And we go into the place again of hopelessness and, 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 you know, not wanting to even believe God for what he really wants to have done here. So, right, right. It's like those people, oh, they're, you know, the element light is, oh, they're not interested in God. They're, they're hard hearted. Mm-hmm. You know, the kids have gone too far away. You know, they're never going to get back all right. that kind of hopeless life. They're hopelessness too. But in the midst Neg- of yeah. we need to fight through that by the grace of well, God. You know, and, and a lot of that too, fighting through that by the grace of God is, seeing it through God's eyes, seeing this as a, a, a demonic setback or a demonic you know, battle, a spiritual battle, and not going with the negativity of our minds. So many times we don't realize it, but our minds are coloring, influencing, Satan is influencing us through the temptations he's putting in our mind to be negative or to be hopeless or to speak negative things over people, circumstances, situations. The, in the story of the parable of the woman looking for her coin, she did not say, at least it's not recorded, oh, I'm never going to find this. She looked till she found it. Yeah, she didn't say, this is, this is impossible. I, I could have lost it up. anywhere. There's no hope. Why bother? She didn't say that. The prodigal son, uh, the father never says, you know, he's never coming back. I give up. You know, he's gone. Obviously, he's not been here for months. I haven't heard from him. Not a word, not an email, not a text, nothing. He's, he's gone. He could be dead for all I know. And I'm sure those thoughts played off in his mind constantly. But, you know, we have to be watchful. Set a watch over my mouth, oh God, that I don't speak things that Satan can use to bring to pass. When you give the devil a word, he can create things out of that word because words are powerful. Words are the, the material from which things are created. God used the material of the word, his word, his, out of his mouth, the vibration out of his mouth, the word spoken. To let there be light, let there be, you know, let there be animals, let there be things. He brought things forth by the word of his mouth until he got to man. And then he actually got involved and used his hands to shape the clay. So the thing is, our words, we don't realize it, that part of your grooming, demonic programming, satanic uh, indoctrination uh, is to set you in a program system where you see things either half full or half empty. You see things as never going to work or, you know, giving up on things. And so with that in mind, Father, we just thank you that um, we're not going to give place to the devil. We are going to allow you, Lord God, to reveal yourself in the midst of our tragedy, our trouble, our trial, our crying, our tears, our anguish, and not allow crying and sorrow and deep grief and great sorrow that tries to break our spirit, not to allow them. You will not allow them to, to prevail 
as we allow you to give us the grace to strengthen us. And it's okay to be strengthened. We receive your grace. We receive your joy. We receive um, the comfort that you can give us. And we don't shun it. We don't turn it away. We don't say, no, I'm, I'm too mad. I push, we, I'm not going to push away the love and comfort of God. So, Father, I pray that you would give us the grace to receive your grace. Give us the grace to receive your comfort, Father God, in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that uh, whatever we lose on earth can be invested uh, in heaven <laughs> in great gains for eternity, mm-hmm. Lord. Yes, Father God. And so help us to use our time to uh, apply our time here for the things that are going to be valued throughout all eternity. For your will to be done. And Amen. I pray that your comfort mm-hmm. and your strength would be upon those that are suffering today, suffering loss. Give them perspective, give them hope, give them encouragement. Give them a knowledge and a trust in your goodness and your grace, knowing that all things are working together for good because they love you, Lord, and because they're called according to your purpose. Ask this, Father, in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I have an emergency. What is your location? 